Okay, Muriel, we're here. Uh, the new offices, it's beautiful here, Marito 8020. Uh, we're having a bit of a, a roundtable discussion, I suppose, on women's issues this morning. So just to start off, what are some of the main issues that women come to you about that maybe they might be too embarrassed or feel like it's too private to bring up with a GP or doctor? Oh, there's so many, Ali, and the girls here, I'll introduce them in a minute. We've just, we've had this conversation for the last hour. Some of it you'd laugh at and some of, you, some of it you would cry at, you know, so that's literally, but things like vaginal dryness, irritation, lack of libido, loss of con confidence, um, put, being put out to pasture as a woman. There's like, that's five or six of a million, Ali. So yeah, I think the conversation needs to be had in relation to this, that we can actually give the information and show what support is there and what education is there. And how wide is the age demographic? Because often with issues like this, we would think of women maybe in their 50s or 60s, but we've moved away from that kind of thinking now, haven't we? I think it's all ages, but I think what we were chatting about today was nearly, I suppose, menopausal, perimenopausal, menopausal and postmenopausal. It's literally like, what's it there for? Am I allowed to use it anymore? Am I allowed to talk about it anymore? Mm. We've had the kids and we've done all that kind of thing. So what happens now? Like, are we supposed to just die away quietly? Or can we actually start having a life like we're supposed to have? Our 20s are gone. Our 30s are gone. We were actually saying our 30s should be the perimenopausal years. So when the kids are reared, that we're actually good to go then. Listen, yeah. life is back. We can actually enjoy life. So yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's I think about 40-ish there, thereabouts. We really want to. kind of the start of a new phase in your life, shouldn't it? Well, you're more confident, aren't yeah. you? You have more time. Hopefully you have more money. You know, you know how to deal with work, men and all the different things. So yeah, I think it's, it's time for life to start again. That's what we want to talk about here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to the two girls here. Yeah. Okay. So we've Dr. Manel here on my left hand side. So she's a consultant gynecologist and she's involved in the whole world of aesthetics since 2008, which is a long time in relation to where the aesthetic world has gone now. So she's a complete expert in this. And then Charlotte is here on my, on my right hand side. So we are literally like team A and B or team A and A um, that we have these conversations constantly. Dr. Manel, then if I could speak to you, when we think of maybe aesthetics and procedures I'm not sure if that's the right word, but to kind of counterbalance or counteract some of these issues that women have, we tend to think just along the lines of maybe Botox or fillers, but what is available to women? Okay, so what we're talking about here in this conversation is medical aesthetics, okay? Similar to the medical aesthetics that we have for the face and body and hair, there's also medical aesthetics for the private areas for both men and women. And it involves injections um, of most commonly P uh, plasma or PRP platelet-rich plasma, which is a procedure, it's an office procedure, there's no surgery involved, where a blood sample is taken, centrifuge in the machine, and then we um, take the, the plasma there, which has all the good nutrients, all the good cells, it stimulates the growth wherever it's injected. So if you inject it in the hair, it stimulates your hair growth, you have naturally more um, luscious hair, more hair growth, more youthful hair. If you inject it on the face, it produces collagen and elastin and gets you that hydration and more youthful look. If it's injected into the dent, uh, dentist injected also around the, um, the, 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 for dental implants. And that can also stimulate bone growth before a teeth um, uh, implant. Um, there's also use in ophthalmology. There's also use around diabetics, diabetic ulcers. So this is a development around genital area. Okay, so it has for both men and women. And um, as, as we produce these, going back to the production of the plasma, it's available 
in all, all our bodies. It's a normal constituent of our bl blood. Um, but it, on the process, when we extract this, there's some cells called fibroblasts. These, and then there's a cascade of events happening, for healing events. Okay, and these are going to whenever these this plasma is injected, it's going to cause a healing response. Okay, so if we're talking about vaginal atrophy, and it doesn't have to be like Muriel said, um, menopause. It can also be women who've had chemotherapy, for instance, or a woman who had who have been breastfeeding, had pregnancy and breastfeeding, and then felt dry. Um, there, there's a reparative mechanism that happens after the injection of the the plasma. Um, there's some uh, there's stem cells that are summoned from different parts of the body into the injected area, which your body is going to perceive as an injury, and then it tries to to heal that over. So it tries to heal. Um, the tissue there, it produces hundreds of um, growth factors. Uh, there's a few that we're particularly concerned about, especially the ones that produce the uh, endothelium and blood vessels and nerves and tissue and collagen. So they are stimulated into the area that's injected and it causes the tissue to repair itself and heal. So if we're doing it for, for instance, for dryness, for mucosal atrophy because of the menopause or whatever, or we're doing it for a sexual function, it then repairs that process and produces more blood vessels and nerves and tissue. So you would have injections directly into the area. I'm trying to find a nice way of going around. <laughs> like, is it directly it in is, the vagina? It is directly into the area, and that's why a gynecologist should be doing this. Wow. Yeah. Does it... Does it go up or is it around the outside? It depends on what you're having and what's right. your main complaint. There's a few areas that we're, we're, we're going to be dealing with. It depends, really. Um, it could be for, as, as I said, for mucosal um, improvement. Yeah. It could be also for arousal. It would be also for sexual function. It could be for... Um, Yes. Go on, Muriel, say what you want to say. Well, I was going to say, we were having this conversation on Friday, so, uh, and Manel said it in such a lovely way, but she said she wouldn't say it on radio, but it's orgasms, that's literally like... So her, it enhances her... orgasms, yes, does it? Yes, yes, yes. Right. And like Manel said, everybody should be having one every day, so it's literally... Who has the time, can... Muriel? Would you have women coming specifically saying, I want to enhance my orgasm, so I'm looking to get these injections? Yes. Really? Yes, yeah, yeah. And the same with men. It also treats erectile some erectile dysfunction. I must say, there's, there's a long con consultation uh, involved. Um, it's not, um, you know, the, the, the area of sexual health is, is wide. So it may not be the only issue. Yeah. Um, it's certainly there's no harm in, in trying it, but it may not be the only issue. Um, for obviously for, for if, if, if we're doing it for vaginal dryness and you know irritation and painful sex and all that that's probably going to be of benefit mm -hmm. um, but if we're, we're going if, if there is any psychological component or anything else or diabetes um, you know as a denervation and all that it takes more time and it takes a different you know way of approach can I ask you are Irish women when they come to you Irish women aren't used to being very open and talking about sex openly and saying, I want a better orgasm. When you have women coming to you saying, like, are they very open about that or are they kind of embarrassed to ask you? Um, well, as a gynecologist and having uh, all that, these years behind me, I do think they are very shy. Yeah, and I have worked around different countries. So they might come in. I would consider Irish women very shy in this. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
Why is it, Muriel? Why are we shy about it still? Well, you know, it's funny because we were just say, saying earlier on as well about the menopause and it should be start some, start of something new. Well, we're like in Ireland as Catholic women and you're mm. supposed to put up and shut up, aren't you? And you get married and have your two-point whatever it is, kids and everything is supposed... You're supposed to behave. But that's gone. I think we're coming out the other side of the new generation that are coming through. We're still behaving, Muriel. We are still behaving, <laughs> but yeah, I think we want to behave now with more mm. fun, mm, to yeah. be honest, don't mm. we? Charlotte, you need to come in here because... Yeah, you're Charlotte, really I was going to ask you, if, yeah. you know, when you're with girlfriends, and I mean, all around here would be laughing and messing and would be very open, but, you know, when it comes to, to really talking about the medical side of it and what needs to be done and what we want done for ourselves, why are we a bit more reluctant to to be more open and, and forthright with it. I think we need to change the language around it even. Manel mentioned earlier private parts. Like, why are they private? Like, why is your vagina more private than your ear? If you had a problem with your ear, you would go and you'd go to a hearing specialist and you'd get it checked out. It's the same with any other part of your body. It's no different from your elbow, your knee or your foot. Mm. If there's an issue in the area, you need to get it seen to. So I think we have to start by changing the language and the narrative around it. Yeah. But also our own views. So we were talking earlier before you came along that there's a big celebration around the start of your menstrual cycle. It's almost a celebration when you get your period because it's the start of something, your reproductive cycle. You're becoming a woman. You're becoming a woman. Yeah. Finally, you're there. It's the thing you've looked forward to. But then menopause, it's like it's kind of low-key hush-hush because it's seen as the end of something. Mm. But actually, it's not. It's the beginning of something new. And it can be the beginning of the best part of your life. Exactly. Because yeah, the stress totally and the hassle yeah. of kids and mortgage and worrying about finances, it's behind you. You're in your kind of 40s to 50s. It's the good part of your life. You know, it's where you need to start enjoying you're yourself. Empowered. You're, you're empowered. You're empowered. You're at your, your, your peak of your career. You have, as you said, you may have more money. You're more centered around yourself. Your kids are grown. It's time for you. To me, I consider it a beginning of a new life. It's, uh, it's celebrated more, I think, in my view. It's not the end of femininity. It's a beginning of a total different phase of and your life. And you've got more time, and I think, to rediscover yourself. You know, particularly the sexual side of yourself. You may not have had time the last 20 years because you're busy with children. Mm -hmm. But now your children have gone and you've got all this time. It's yourself and your partner, whoever it may be at home, that you actually have time to sit and think, okay, what do we want going forward in this new phase of our life? Where do we start? How do we start? You know, you're starting from scratch almost because you're not the same people you were when you were very sexually active 20 years ago before the kids came along. You're two completely different people with different needs. So it's almost like starting again. Because there's some women who think maybe, you know, and like you said, that happens when you're young. And as you get older, then, you, you know, the appetite for that is kind of yeah, gone. Yeah, because you're busy with kids and bills yeah. and packing lunches and this, that and the other, you know. But I think when the kids leave home, you do have that time. It is nice to kind of step back and say, okay, how do we rediscover the fun? Like, how do, you know, how do we start? I think it's, it's here, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Dr. Manel, if I could ask you more about these injections, mm -hmm. how often would you get them? Well, um, there, you don't need too many of them, okay? Right. So usually when my practice, I'd give one uh, after obviously consultation, making sure the patient understands, signs the consent, there's no contraindications there. And then she, uh, he or she gets the first one. And then at three months, I give them either a phone call or I call them back in the clinic to review and they may get the second one. Okay, so initially they'll find a response. It's like plasma in the face, exactly. Initially, you'll find some response and then the response may be less after a few weeks. But then that's the time that your body's producing the, the, the healthy skin, the healthy tissue. So then it peaks around three months, okay? Okay. And it should take you for a year or two. Really? Yeah. Do you need anesthetic when you're getting them? Local, 
right. don't usually put uh, put them to sleep for this. No. If we if we talk about maybe is vaginal rejuvenation the wrong term for it? Are there no? Other... I think you can call it vaginal rejuvenation. Yeah, genital rejuvenation. Yeah. Okay. Part of it is plasma, and then part of it is also hyaluronic acid, which is which can be two parts, also cross-linked and non-cross-linked. As in other words. The one that causes the volume and the one that doesn't give volume gives hydration. And that's when the importance of hydrating is mm. because it depends, it depends on what your needs are. Obviously, volumizing would be for people who want a more volume in the area. Yeah. Um, and hydration, you, you use the one, the, the hyaluronic acid that just gives you the hydration without giving you volume. And for men then who are coming, um, is, it, is it mostly erectile dysfunction or is it other issues? Other issues as well, but mostly erectile dysfunction or inability to achieve or maintain an erection and also loss of desire. Yeah. Okay, so men are also affected by loss of desire, but I think a lot of people may, might be under the impression that it's just women as they get older have that loss of desire, but men are also... I think there's also, yeah, men, men are also affected um, um, and men probably, there's also a need for a better aesthetic look as well for mm. both genders. That's another area that they, they come for. Do we have a very narrow view here in Ireland of, of cosmetic procedures and, and aesthetic procedures? I practice in the Middle East before and I, yeah, I, I do think the uptake in the Middle East is more than... Um, more than Ireland, the UK as well. There's more uptake. There's more variety. There's more clinics. There's more talk about things, and yeah. people are more open to do things and try new things. And obviously, um, I think we're getting there, but yeah. a bit slower. Because I've a lot of judgment in Ireland. You know, do you think? You, yeah, I think if you're seen to be spending money on yourself, you have notions. You know, I think it's judgment. People are afraid of judgment. They're getting treatments done all the time, but they're not telling anyone. It's this kind of behind closed doors. Like Manel said in the UK, people are very open. They pop out on the lunch break and get Botox. You know, here it's like they're kind of sneaking around under the cover of darkness. They don't want their neighbours to know. Middle but East is so popular. Yeah. yeah. And these, like plasma, I started pl doing plasma in 2008. And we've started doing all different types of plasma, different areas yeah. back then. And then everything that we, you know, that, you know, things are developing so fast in this industry. And we try to, you know, bring in everything that we, we hear and see, yeah. you know, yeah. as long as it's safe and regulated. Uh, but in Ireland, there is um, a reluctancy to try new things, a reluctancy to... It's an age thing, though, isn't it? It's like from the 40 plus that you're not supposed to look well, and if she does, she's full of herself and this kind of thing. The younger generation, it's completely different. And mm. the aesthetic world for them is going to be the same as the beauty world was for us. Mm. Like, yes, we were able to wear lipstick and makeup and all those kind of things. But the younger generation have a list already of yeah. what they want to do, like the lips and all the bits. And they'll talk about that and they'll show it. But we're even finding, and I suppose it's one of the things why we wanted to have conversations like this, Ali. We need to take the taboo, lift the lid off it, let people start chatting about it. Like instead of hiding coming into the clinic here, we want people to come in and go back out and feel they look wonderful. They feel yeah. wonderful. It's, it's part of That's, female empowerment, yes. to be honest. It's yeah. not just yeah. being vain and, yes. you know, shallow. Yeah. It's yeah. actually you, you feel better and you function better in mm. life when you are confident. Mm. And I, and I think this is what makes me, like, I am a gynecologist, full-time obstetrician gynecologist, and I, um, I'm very proud of my career and background, but I love aesthetics, and I think the immediate effect that I, and the thrill that I get from aesthetics, like, you know, there's nothing else like it, of making a person, you know, come straight out of the door, feeling confident and happy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a thrill for me, too. Are you finding trends here in Ireland about what women want done? 
I do think there's a trend towards more normal or no, more physiological or natural look now. Now, I think before things, and it's a worldwide thing, people like big, big lips, big, yeah. everything was big. Mm. I think now they're looking at more natural, less obvious work done. And that's most of my clients that are, are like that. They're professionals, they're at the peak of their careers, they don't want to be seen done. Doesn't want to be obvious. Yeah, don't yeah. want to be obvious. The bum area, is that still a very popular area to focus on? Um, I think there's a, still a demand for it, I, although it is declining and people are going away from that. But then the surgical BBL is one of the most risky operations the woman can have in her life. Mm. And, uh, and more, the riskiest operation, I think, that, um, in aesthetics anyway. What makes it so risky? It's because there's blood vessels and you can get an embolus through that. You know, there's okay. the huge blood vessels there. Um, but we're talking here not about surgery. This yeah. is a medical aesthetics situation. Mm. So we do fill um, um, bums with, but with filler, with hyaluronic acid filler. Um, and that has a, you have a lifespan, you know, year or whatever, and then it dissolves, you have to do it again. Yeah. Um, just like any filler. Can I ask then, of the ladies here, is it very horrible to ask what, have you had anything done like it's this? It's not horrible to no? ask. It's a completely valid question. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think I've had done? Look at my face, Ali. You've really had anything done? I have, yeah. I have an eyebrow lift using anti-wrinkle injections. Okay. I get it done about once every three months. It, it stops me from having hooded eyes. So if I don't get my eyebrows lifted, they tend to fall down on top of my eyes, which right. means I can't wear eyeliner. I've also had a non-surgical rhinoplasty, cheek fillers and lip fillers. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What's been your favourite procedure to have um, done? I think the cheek fillers because my yeah. face is very thin naturally. You know, I'm, I'm quite low body fat. So yeah. if I do lose weight, my face tends to get quite gaunt, which ages me horrifically. So I do get dermal fillers um, in my cheeks and it just gives me kind of a more full look. Is any of it painful? No, not at all. I have a very high um, threshold for pain, so I don't use any numbing cream. I'm just right. like, wow. just get it done, do you're, it. You're hardy. Yeah, I'm yeah. hardy. Yeah, the non-surgical um, rhinoplasty, I think, was life-changing. Yeah. What kind of procedure is that then when it's non-surgical? Yeah, so That's generally... That's going up today now. Yes, That's, I'm yeah. actually putting that content up today of, of my non-surgical rhinoplasty. So if you have bumps in your nose or imperfections or the tip of your nose is downturned, yeah. we just inject filler kind of a harder filler to just lift the tip of the nose and smooth out any imperfections and it's instant like that was amazing minutes. that was amazing it was life changing the, yeah. before and after it yeah. was amazing even to sit and watch it yeah and it didn't hurt it was literally mm. we're very open here we even said you know the stairs up to here so mm. you've got the big long stairs to us this is the stairway to heaven like i go to the <laughs> gym every morning the gym is hard work and i come out and i feel good but i don't feel as good as what i do when i actually sit in the or the aesthetic yeah. chair and you know, I've had Botox and I've had fillers and I'm quite okay telling people, same as having my nails done or whatever. If we don't put it out there and start normalising it, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's, we're going to stay where we are. But we're at our happiest when we've had something done or if we're heading to get something done, we're at our happiest. Like we all work so hard for our money. We work mm. so hard every day. We all have kids. So between us here, there's five, four, nine, ten kids between the three of us here. You know, so like the background is there behind us. Why shouldn't we look well at this stage in our life? Like, why shouldn't we get there might done? Be some we women get who think maybe I'm gone too old for you know this work that I should have done it maybe in my thirties when my skin was in good condition and I could maintain it from no, there. There's now no, there's no, uh, no, there's no, nobody is old. Whatever, whenever you start, it's a good start. Okay. Yeah, you're you're always going to benefit from it, and it just takes the years back, um, a few years back, you know, and you, it depends on your health, obviously. Um, but it will take it will go a long way anything you do is going to go a long way from and yeah. those orgasms Dr. Manel you can have them at any age 
course you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people are on second and third relationships now. Like, so that's a big deal as well. Like, yeah. Whereas that didn't happen years ago and people didn't talk about it. So if somebody is split or they're separated or divorced and they're moving on to a new man or a woman or whatever, and they're worried about something like this, well, like it's good that they can actually they know there's expert help there and they can go and find out what's there and yeah That's sort true. out any issues that are there.